There's a phrase that has been a phrase for a long time that uh, you may have heard before. It's the phrase, dinner's ready. You ever heard that phrase? Dinner's ready was a cry in which children and adults would stop what they're doing and come to the table to eat together. It was seen as one of the most important moments of the day. Notice I use the word was. I grew up in a home that had family dinners. I'll never forget sitting around eating family dinner together. I'm an only child, so it was the three of us. And uh, we would sit down over a meal together. It was a time that we would slow down. Um, time that we would share life, we'd talk about the ups and downs, the, the good and the bad in our day. You know, it was just one of those connecting times. I remember laughing with my mom and dad, um, listening to some of the things that they would share. They would uh, speak into my life, encourage me. I didn't realize it as much as a kid, but I look back on it now and I miss those times, those moments. Um, I, I uh, now have the opportunity to be a part of a family. Dee Dee and I raised a family with similar, similar values. Not as often as we'd like to, but, but quite often, uh, uh, several times a week, we sit and enjoy a meal together. It's kind of ironic. We had that last night um, over taco salad and um, just sat and just laughed with each other, didn't we, Brooke? We just, Bryce, we just kind of talked. It was, it was a cool thing just to see the interaction going on, talking about whatever happened in our day and our week, um, a real connecting point. Today, many people think that the idea of family dinner is a thing of the past, an institution that has become obsolete because our times are changing. In households where both parents work and kids have busy schedules, so it's the culture we live in, um, finding time for dinner together seems next to impossible. And yet lots of research has been done over the years about how the lack of sharing a meal together has impacted the family unit. A professor from Rutgers University says that eating together as a family is not about getting nutrition as much as it is about building and functioning as a family unit. It's about cohesion as a family. A professor of family sciences at Ohio State University writes, families need quality time together and shared meals are a great way to accomplish that goal. If you don't spend regular time together, family members grow apart. They begin to feel more like roommates sharing a house rather than members of the same family. Over the past 15 years, researchers have linked Regular family dinners with many behaviors that parents want for their kids. This is interesting. Researchers have linked these behaviors with family dinners. Lower rates of substance abuse, lower rates of teen pregnancy, lower rates of teenage depression, higher grade point averages, and higher self-esteem. That's amazing, isn't it? Studies indicate that dinner conversation is a better vocabulary booster than reading to your children. Wow. Stories told around the table help our kids build confidence in who they are as individuals. But in our American culture, with fast food and microwaves and takeout, we rarely eat together. In fact, we usually eat alone or in shifts. Food has become so easily and cheaply available that we no longer appreciate its significance. For most of us, eating is a, is a daily routine so ordinary that it is taken for granted. But across cultures and time, sharing a meal with family and friends is considered a valued event. Sharing a meal is a universal way of relating and connecting. It's, it's not 
It's the focus on the conversation, not the food. It's, it's all about who you're eating with, not what you're eating. Michael Pollan is an author, and he writes this, sharing a meal elevates eating from a mechanical process of fueling the body to relating as a family and community, from mere biology to an act of culture. But sadly, most Americans are starved for time together as families. And dinner may be one of the only times of the day when we can reconnect, the only time when we can develop a sense of who we are as a family. Now, I want to tell you right up front, I am not here to lecture you about how important it is to have meals together as a family. I believe in it. We do it in my home. I grew up in a home that, that does it. I know some of you do it. But I'm not here to lecture you on it. It's a choice that you make as a family. I do have one goal, though. My goal is to help you see the importance of sharing a meal together as a family right here at Pathway Church. When, when we eat with someone, we become friends. We bond. Sharing a meal together, I believe, is one of the most bonding things you can do with someone else. And i got to tell you up front, I've never preached a meal. I've never taught on, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I never preached about a meal. I've never taught on the importance of sharing a meal like we're going to talk about today. And yet, I don't know why I missed it all these years. Because there's something about it that's important for us to grab as a church. Would you pray with me, Father? Thank you for today. I ask that you would just kind of open our minds and our hearts to what you want to speak to us about as a church. We believe that you are doing something new here at Pathway Church. We've been in the midst of this change in our DNA of who we are as a church for a couple of years now. And the way that we see um, the early church, the way that we look back and look at the, the first church, day one of the church, we get this picture of things, of values that you desire to instill in us as a church. Things that you desire to put inside of us as people, followers of you. So today, open us up to this. Help us to hear you. We pray it in your name. Amen. So I've got a question for you. How did Jesus come? What I, what I mean by that, I'm not talking about the manger. I'm not talking about wise men. Okay, beyond that. How did Jesus come? Scripture tells us, Luke 19 and Mark 10 tell us, that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That he came, came to give his life a ransom for many. John 10 tells us that he came to give full life. We know all that. But how did Jesus come? How did he begin his ministry? What was Jesus doing when he came? Good question. The writer of Luke tells us in Luke 7.34, take a look at this. The Son of Man came, read those next two words with me, eating and drinking. And you say, look at him. He is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. The Jews expected the Messiah to come in power and in force, but Jesus came sharing a meal with someone. Jesus came eating and drinking, relating to people over food. Eating and drinking a lot, in fact, because 
so prominent in the Gospels that scholars have commented that Jesus ate his way through the Gospels. Isn't that interesting? We have these shows, you know, on Food Network and stuff, that eating their way through the world and all these different things where they go to these different... Jesus ate his way through the New Testament. It's, it's really true. I mean, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which they're called the synoptic Gospels, um, they, they have a similar structure. They have um, record the same kinds of events throughout these three uh, uh, accounts. Each one of them is its own individual account because it's writing to, the writer is writing to a different audience. But, but the interesting thing is they all basically have a lot of the same material in order to convey important themes and topics. One of these books, the book of Luke, is a very unique book. It has an emphasis on shared meals like no other letter, no other gospel in the New Testament. I mean, in the book of Luke, honestly, if you read through it, you'll notice that Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal. The, the whole book of Luke is full of that. Jesus is sharing a meal, and it is one of the most common elements of the gospel of Luke. So much so that the religious leaders complained about Jesus eating so much. Take a look. Luke 5. Jesus saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his booth. Jesus said to him, follow me. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi gave a big dinner for Jesus at his house. Many tax collectors and other people were eating there too. But the Pharisees and the men who taught the law began to complain to Jesus' followers. Notice what they say. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you sharing a meal with these people? See, in this day and age, social boundaries were very important in first century Israel. Meals were the way that social boundaries were maintained. They were displayed. Jews knew that they could eat with certain people and they couldn't eat with other people was very specific. And yet Jesus came along and he ate with anybody. In fact, he ate with tax collectors and sinners is what we're told. He ate with people who were seen as unclean, the low of the low. Huh. So basically, his idea was, I'm going to explode the expectations of what people thought the Messiah is supposed to be like. Meals are a very powerful expression of acceptance and friendship in every culture. And I believe this is why Jesus shared meals. I, I think this is why it's so significant in the New Testament. Meals were central to what Jesus was doing. Jesus shared a meal with so many different people. And th this sharing of a meal is a formative indicator for the mission of the church, the church that Jesus has established. So the writer Luke shows us in our key series text in Acts 2.42, this indicator, this, this pointing to the importance of sharing a meal. If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you know we've been talking about this one verse. Let's take a look at it on the screen. Read it with me. All the believers devoted themselves. Let's stop right there. If you remember our first week, we talked about devoted. What does that mean? That means leaning into. That means pressing into. That means being attached to, being concerned about, being focused on. All the believers devoted themselves, come on, read it with me, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Wow. 
So basically over the last several weeks, including today and next week, we're unpacking this one verse to get an idea of what we should be, who we should be as a church, the values that we should have as a church. If, if you were to ask an ordinary Christian today to describe what a church service would have looked like in the early church, in the first century church, you'd probably get all kinds of different answers. I bet if I ask you, you'd probably give me all kinds of different answers. Some people would say that it consisted primarily of preaching and teaching. Well, we see that on the screen, right, in that verse. Some would say, well, it, it would have worship and singing. We don't really see that, but we can kind of assume that as a group of Jesus followers would gather together, there's going to be some kind of that. Some might say that it would include communion and prayer, and we see that listed in the verse. But all of these would be partially correct. When people go to describe what a church service, specifically a biblical church service in the New Testament would be like, people fail to mention one aspect of that. Hmm. Most people wouldn't think that a dominant part of a group experience in the early church would be sharing a meal together. Most would not consider that to be significant enough. To mention, And yet, what the writer Luke is telling us in Acts 2 is that it is in the core of what it is to be a church. Let's look at it again. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to, what's those next three words, sharing in meals. Now, we notice there that it mentions including the Lord's Supper. What's unique about the New Living Translation, that's the translation that we're showing on the screen and that we use a lot here, unlike any other version, is it kind of combines these two thoughts of sharing meals, which we know what that is. It's having lunch or dinner or something together. But also, it's combining it with the idea of having communion, which is the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, if you, whatever the Eucharist, whatever you call it. It's combining those two ideas. A lot of different versions, if you have a, a, a New International Version or a New Century Version or King James or any of those other versions or translations of the Bible, they use the phrase, breaking bread together. Now, you may know that phrase because that's still a pretty common English phrase. In our world, if, if you were to walk up to somebody and say, they might, they might look at you a little weird, but if you were to say, let's break bread together, what would that mean? Let's go have a meal. Let's, let's go to habit. Let's go to biology. Let's share a meal, right? Let's break bread together. But also in the New Testament, breaking bread meant having communion, Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, like we know it. So the two ideas are in the one phrase, breaking bread. I love how the New Living Translation puts it, though, that it's sharing meals, including, including the Lord's Supper. You'll, you'll see the importance of this in just a minute because we're going to get to it. So the Lord's Supper is, is, a, is a phrase that is describing communion. And I don't want you to miss this. And what's interesting about the New Testament is that scholars believe that communion was celebrated as part of a meal in the early church. So, so they didn't necessarily partake of communion or Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. They didn't take, you know, the, the juice and the cracker um, apart from sharing a meal together. And in fact, if you read through the Gospels, specifically in Luke and in Matthew, you begin to see this picture that the Lord's Supper, communion, was a part of a shared meal experience. Take a look at Matthew 26. Look at these first three words. As they were what? Eating. So what does that mean? 
Well, they were eating, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward, right? They were eating. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Now look at what takes place. He broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. Whoa, wait, what's happening? He's, he's eating a meal with his friends and all of a sudden now it steps right into, morphs right into experiencing communion for the first time together. So the Lord's Supper and a meal were combined. Take a look. He says, and he took a cup and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. What I see here is that Jesus told us to remember him not in a pattern of words, but Jesus told, him, told us to remember him in a meal. When we take communion, and we have the cracker and the juice. I think a lot of the times we forget that this was considered part of a meal together. This is how important sharing meals are to the church, to us. Now I say that because we are a church culture. We, you know, if you come to church, you become part of this subculture called the church. And the church, the subculture of the church, is known for having food together, right? In fact, there's a word, it starts with the letter P and it ends with the letter K and it is kind of attached to church. What's it? What's the word? Potluck, right? I mean, if you think of having food together at a church, you think potluck and we know what that means. It's like everybody just brings food together and we just share it together and you get all kinds of different cultural foods that way and all kinds of different desserts and if you're the pastor you have to try them all and you know that, that kind of thing and it's just kind of part, part of it. It's part of our culture but what's very cool is it's not just this cool little treat called a potluck. But church has been established around the idea of connecting over food, sharing a meal together. There's something about this that if we're not careful in our fast-paced world, we miss. Hmm. Jesus told us to remember him in a meal. So after being crucified on a cross... And buried, Jesus came back to life, and two of his followers were going to another town about seven miles away. And they were talking about what had happened. And while they were talking, Luke 24 tells us, while they were talking, Jesus began walking with them. This is the resurrected Jesus. This is Jesus back to life after he was dead and buried. He was walking with them, but they didn't recognize him. Jesus said to them, what are you talking about? They said, well, we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet who said and did many powerful things. Our leaders and leading priests hand him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. Now it's the third day since he's been in the tomb. And some people among us, some women among us, went to the tomb, but they didn't find his body there. They told us that they had seen angels who said that Jesus was alive. So some of our group were all excited and they went to the tomb there and they found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. 
Luke tells us that then Jesus began to explain everything that had been written about himself in the scriptures. By the time they were nearing Emmaus, the place they were going, the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. I don't know why Jesus did this. I'd like to ask, that's a question. Why, why, why were you, it, it, you know, there's a story too where Jesus was walking on water and it says that it was as if he was going to walk right on past the boat where the followers were. It's one of those questions of why, why, why were you doing that? Is it like you're just trying to get our attention? This, I think he's trying to get their attention here. He's, he's going to go on. He's going to move on. They hadn't recognized him. He's going to move on. And look what it says. They said to him, they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. How would you like to have Jesus in your home? Look what it says. Look at this next phrase. As they sat down to what? Hmm. Now remember, on the road, he was explaining all of the Jewish scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament from Moses to the prophets. He was explaining all of this to them. So he was teaching them, teaching them, teaching them on the road. But now they get to the house, and guess what they're doing? They're eating. I don't know what they had. Maybe they had nachos and cheese. I don't know, you know what they had. But they're, they're sharing a meal together, right? As they were eating... Jesus took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. Look what it says. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. Do you know what I see here? They recognized Jesus through a meal. Think about that. Wow. Jesus set, set up this pattern of sharing a meal. And so a meal continues to be the normal setting in which believers meet together. Acts 2.46 tells us this. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and what? Shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Hmm. So get this on your outline. Sharing a meal together is at the core of what it means to be the church. Sharing a meal together is at the core of what it means to be the church. Friends, when we eat together, we experience what it means to be a church. Listen to me. Don't ever downplay the importance, the significance of sharing a meal with other followers of Jesus. There's something about this that connects us like no other thing can. It's a, it's a cultural thing. We, we are connecting and building culture. That's exactly what the early church did. If you, if you think about what they have just went through, these were Jews who now became followers of Jesus. And if you were a Jew, that was not just your religion, that was your life. So these Jews have now changed and are following Jesus, believing that Jesus is the one, is the Messiah, and they're still following him. And they are changing from this culture of life now to something else, and it's not really even designated. It's new. It's different. 
And so the importance of sharing a meal was so vital to them because it was establishing, it it was creating cohesion as a culture. The church was developing the church. And in the midst of the culture around us, we need this kind of connection with each other. You and I, we need this kind of connection with other followers of Jesus. This church was becoming a people group. Hmm. All of us need a group to belong to. We really do. I I don't know if you realize, but deep within you is a desire to be known and to know people. It's, It's a desire to belong somewhere. All of us have that. It's innate in us who we are as people. And you may suppress it, you may repress it, you may push it deep, deep down inside so that you don't feel lonely, so that you don't feel out of place. But honestly, there are times, come on, you know, there are times when you feel it. You know, one of the things I hate the worst is when I'm at a conference by myself, I'm okay in the big room with everybody in the room. But when it's time for lunch, if I don't know anybody to have lunch with, don't you just hate that? I do. I don't even like to go to places and have lunch. You know, I've got my phone, I've got a tablet, I've got this. You know, I could do whatever, I could read, I can do whatever, but I just don't even like to be in a restaurant by myself. I always have felt, and I'm an only child, you'd think I'd be okay with this, right? But I've always felt like there's something about, there's something missing about having a meal by yourself. I think that's for us as a church. I think that's for us as people. That we want a place to belong. We need regular connection with people. Some of you may know Reagan Glugosh is uh, one of our core partner missionaries serving in Romania. She has served there for years. And I'll never forget Reagan when she was here the last time. She illustrated this whole concept of needing others, of needing to connect with other people, with the stories that she told about the situations in the orphanages in Romania. Um, In Romania, there are so many orphans institutionalized And there isn't enough staff members to take care of them. And so these babies and these toddlers are in their cribs all the time because there isn't any other way to handle the numbers. They are only lifted out to be fed and to have their diapers changed. Other than that, there's no physical human contact. And so many of them end up in semi-catatonic states and often die because of a lack of human contact. You know what this is called? The condition is called failure to thrive syndrome. It's a true medical condition. This happens because of the lack of human contact. Fortunately, Reagan in Romania and others now have established ministries where they simply, this one ministry that she has that she oversees just simply has ladies that go into these orphanages day after day after day and just sit and hold these kids. That's all they do. They just volunteer and hold these kids. I think that's awesome, isn't it? 
But, but the key for us is to realize that we have, we have to understand that the failure to thrive syndrome can also happen in our lives. But it can be avoided by connecting with each other. I mean, take a look at this shot. This was last week at Pyology. I was snapping some pictures, and I thought, look at this. Young, old, connecting together. We took over that restaurant. You can see all, even the tables off on the side, that we just kind of took over the restaurant. There's something about connecting together as a church family that's significant for us. It's not about the food. Did you hear me? I've had people say to me, well, I don't really like the places that you guys go to. Then bring something else or have a glass of water. I'm smiling. Because it's important for you to be with us and for us to be with you. All of us need to belong somewhere. You need to belong somewhere. You need to have physical contact. I'll never forget reading an article about 15 years ago, and it so moved me that, I don't know if you've ever noticed, this is one thing that I try to do anytime I talk with you. I touch you. I, I touch you on the shoulder. I shake your hand. I give you a hug, whatever. I try to bring physical touch when I'm talking to you because of this article talked about that there are people that go their entire week without physical contact. And I feel like there's something missing in our lives without appropriate physical contact, loving physical contact. Um, for you that don't go to Rubio's or Pyology or The Habit, you are not only missing out on what Jesus is doing at Pathway, you are missing out on what Jesus wants to do in your life. I, I wrote this down, on, uh, this is not even in my notes, I just wrote it down last night, that if you don't share a meal with us, you miss out, but you are causing someone else to miss out because you might be exactly what a, another person needs. You may be the person that someone else needs to hear from or connect with. And so it's not just about you, it's about us. I thought it was so cool when I walked into Pyology, you can't see it in the picture that I had, but when I walked into Pyology last week, and I saw on the end of the table, here's Emmett and Tony just connecting. I mean like intense conversation. And I'm, and, I, and, and I was looking to see where I can slide in. I came a little late, and so I grabbed a chair, and I just got right in the corner right there in their conversation because I'm like, these are two masterminds, man. They're doing something here. I want to get in on this conversation. It was such a cool thing to see conversation taking place between generations, be, between cultures at, at this table over pizza. Who cares what kind of pizza you got? Brooke didn't even have pizza. She went over and got a salad at The Habit. And some of you do that when we go to places. You don't like the food, you go get something else. That's all right. It's not about the food, right? It's not about the food. It's about who you're eating with. If you don't have the money, you say, Bart, I can't afford to come. Please come and talk to me. There are people here who would love to buy you lunch. We'll make that happen.
don't ever let money keep you away from sharing a meal with us. I've heard some say, I don't like the food. I threw out a picture. I don't like the food there. Who cares if you don't like the food? It's not about the food. Come anyway. When we eat together, we experience what it means to be a church. Get this down in your outline, then we're done for today. By sharing a meal together, we participate in what God is doing at Pathway Church. By sharing a meal together, we participate in what God is doing. Don't ever forget that. A meal is not a meal. It's not just food. It's something that Jesus is doing at our church. We don't just have food functions so you get fat. If that happens, oh well. Okay. That's not why we have it. Many years ago, I had someone come up. My wife and I were standing. I'll never forget. We were standing upstairs at a food function. This is years ago. Somebody came up to us and said, you guys must really like to eat together because you always have food things here at this church. And I said to this lady, you have completely missed the point. It's not about food. It's about being together, right? It's about sharing a meal together. I think that's important. Of all days...